So when you find yourself in a situation, um, my experience has been that most of the time, if we go in with certainty, that's only going to make us incremental progress. If we go in with curiosity, it's yours for the taking. You're listening to The Lowdown, a podcast recorded at Sigma Kappa National Headquarters by Alex Green and Sarah Goodwin. We'll focus on topics like health, wellness, fraternity and sorority community, higher education, and life skills that women need in all stages of their lives. We'll also feature stories from inspiring, empowering, and ambitious Sigma Kappas. Tune in every other week for a new episode to help drive your personal growth forward. Welcome back to the Lowdown Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And today we have Erin Correa here. Welcome, Erin. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. So Erin has spent the last 15 years working in roles to help people grow and develop. She's been the executive director of a leadership development company, authored leadership development curriculum, facilitated development programs across the United States, and led the executive development efforts at a Fortune 300 company. She now owns her own coaching and talent consultant company. Erin is known as a relationship builder, connector of both people and ideas, and a catalyst for change. Erin loves what she does and is passionate about helping others feel the same. What a great bio. You just, yeah. (laughs) You're so kind. You guys are so sweet. You know, I I do. I'm super passionate about the work that I do. And so it's been a fun ride for sure. Well, today we are talking about relational agility. And I don't know what that means. Me neither. So (laughs) I'm wondering how many of our listeners are also in the same boat. So can you explain that? Yeah, you bet. So a moment of full disclosure, like two years ago, I was like, I don't know what relational agility means. And it sort of came to be and manifested itself uh, as I was doing some coaching work the last couple of years. So let's, let's break down those two words and make it easier. Let's start with the agility side of the house. So usually when folks are talking about agility, they're not talking about anything more than a person's ability to think and understand, kind of make meaning of something quickly right? So if you think about like, have you heard the concepts of agile teams, right? Working together in the workplace. It's usually teams that have workflows that can pivot and adjust so that people can make quick adaptations kind of in the moment based on whatever outcome it is that they're looking for. Or sometimes in my world in talent development, when we're talking about agility, um, sometimes we're talking about high potential folks in an organization. And usually what we're looking for there is like, who are the people that can learn really quickly from past experience and then show up in a really effective way in a new circumstance? So agility is all about our ability to think and act, um, process information quickly. And then the relational part of it, we understand. So the relational piece as it relates to relational agility is all about being able to quickly know the stories that you're telling yourself in a particular moment and be able to adapt as needed um, effectively. Sigma Kappa, a lot of the times we use the word nimble, like make sure you're nimble. Would you, like that's, I guess, what I'm hearing. So it can kind of be interchanged because that really helps me understand since we use that word a lot. lot. Yes. (laughs) Say and tell me, I think yes, but tell me a little bit more about how you would define nimble and Sigma Kappa it usually has to do with maybe a project that we're working on, say it has to change directions really quickly, or we need to move um, in a, just in a different direction completely. So it's, it's usually project-based, I would say. I don't know that it's really relational-based, but it is like, okay, we were going to put this email out, 
but this just happened and now is where to push this back. Okay, let's be nimble and let's be able to adjust accordingly and not be stuck in what we thought we were going to have to do. Totally. Yep. I think that's exactly right. And if you build that out a little bit and think about like somebody who is demonstrating nimble behavior, then that's exactly the application. Yeah. 100%. What would you say are the three most important relationships to be mindful of and actively manage in your life? Yeah. So this is a big one. Um, I would say it's all about the relationship you have with the beliefs about yourself, beliefs about other people, and beliefs about how things work in the world. So comprehensively, that's, you know, that kind of um, gets at everything. But yeah. those three big buckets, if you can manage those really effectively, then you can teach the course on relational agility, if you will. <laughs> you really can. How do you go about getting those relationships or being mindful of them? Yeah, so um, here's the thing. We're all trading. We all have currency in all three of those relationships all the time. Managing relational agility is about stopping and sort of being aware of what stories you're telling yourself in regards to each of those relationships. So if you just stop for a second and think about, if you ask yourself the question, like, what are the beliefs that I have about myself? What, you know, what are those? Mm -hmm. What comes to mind, right? There might be some that you feel excited about and maybe really proud and happy to share. And what I've experienced in coaching is also, especially as women, we tend to carry quite a few beliefs that maybe um, aren't so gracious to ourselves, right? And we yeah. don't feel so great about. Um, same thing with other people. Like generally, what beliefs do you have? What stories do you tell yourself about other people? And then that third bucket, the way the world works. And this one for me wasn't one that immediately came to mind. It actually came up as I was doing a bunch of coaching work and finding that when my clients were stuck on a topic and they couldn't get towards the forward momentum they were looking for, it usually was because they had a belief or a story that was really limiting them. And so it was a matter of drawing some attention to, hey, what's that belief that's actually showing up for me in the moment? And then this is a little spoiler for where we may go later. But And then really asking yourself, like, is that serving me? Is that the belief that I want to be choosing right now? So can we go into what that belief might be? Because I have some thoughts, but I, yeah. Sure. So, um I have a couple examples. One, I would say for women, a belief about yourself. A lot of times it is, um, I'm not worthy until. And for women, that fill in the blank can be a multitude of things, right? Mm -hmm. But this sort of general sense of like worthiness is earned and, um, and there are accomplishments that I have to make, ways that I have to show up, feedback mm -hmm. that I have to get from other people before I can believe that. Well, here's the deal. Once you know that that is a belief that shows up in your life, like it or don't, once you have some awareness about it, then you can start doing some things with it. But for example, that's a personal belief that shows up all the time, frankly, shows up quite a bit when I'm working with women too. Yeah, that actually, a story just came to my mind. I was at um, an ISAE, which is the Indiana Society of Associate Executives. I was at an event and I was just networking with someone and she owns her own marketing business, and we're the same age. We actually graduated from the same school, same year, and she has, like, employees, and she's just really cool, and so I was talking to her, and I was like, you've done so much, and you're only, like, you're 32. Like, that's so great, and she was like, wow, I really appreciate you saying that because lately I have felt like I 
am not where I thought I would be at 32. I haven't accomplished enough. And I just thought I'd be a lot further. I was like, wow. You know, and she has one kid and I have four. And I was like, I feel super accomplished in my life. And I'm just, you know, I, I do what I love. And I think that makes a difference. And she does what she loves. But completely, I mean, same age, same school, completely different outcomes. Um, but she, like, she was you know, saying that she didn't think she had done enough yet. And I was like, I think you're super impressive. (laughs) Yeah. And was there a belief? So as you're telling that story, was there a belief that you have that formed, you know, your ability to actually give her that feedback? Yeah, there probably is. I mean, I would love to start my own or yeah, to start my own business and have that be my main source of income. I think that's very cool. And just it's always been like a dream of mine. So I guess that she had done it and she is being successful. I think maybe that's what it was like, wow, we're the same age, but you've, you're doing it. So. Yeah. I sort of heard both. So I heard two beliefs. I heard one that I would say sounds really positive and helping this like lady, you're incredible. Like, let me hold up a mirror and just show you how amazing you are right to your friend and colleague. And then the second one, a little bit of like, Oh, maybe I have a belief. Like, hold on, when you told the story, you even said she has like, you know, employees, right? Yeah. And so there's a little bit of a belief, uh, what I was hearing in that about where, where are you? And, you know, professionally, what do you aspire to? So even just stopping kind of in the moment and being like, hmm, there's an interaction that I had. Let me be curious about it. What beliefs might be showing up there can be kind of intriguing. Never thought of that from that conversation. Sarah, what beliefs do you have about yourself? Like what, what thing that comes to my mind is like, I wasn't really an adult until I did like certain things. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'm, I still sometimes don't feel like an adult and I have and a house and I have kids. Yeah. So I'm always like, Oh wait. Yeah. I am. Or like, I didn't feel like I was even a mom until, you know, when you have an infant until he starts growing until he starts can, can talk and you're like, telling them what to, to do or that they can or can't do this. Or you're teaching them. Like you're just keeping someone alive, which is great. It's a great thing to do. But I'm just thinking like when you say that, like there are like milestones in my life that I don't know why I have them. So I just didn't know if you had any, Sarah. I'm sorry, Sarah. No, I was, was going to no, give you another, I was going to respond to Alex yeah. and give you a hot second to think about something. <laughs> Put the pressure on her. <laughs> Which actually, and what you're saying, Alex, it's um, it's a little bit too of like, when there's this deliverable, then I feel like I'm there, right? So once I can see such and such in my kids, or once I actually have a house or this thing. Yeah. And so what's hard sometimes about our beliefs is to believe it before we have like a proof point. Yeah. Of it, yeah. Right? And to just sort of say, hey, I just know it to be true. Yeah. I can't exactly point you to the reasons why, but I know it to be true. No, that's great. I, so I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Um, I was recently accepted into graduate school and thank you. Um, all of my friends, I have several friends that have gone to graduate school, all that. And they always had it kind of like in their mind, like they were going to go to graduate school. Like that was just part of their plan. And that was not quite mine. And so I almost felt like underprepared when I was kind of thinking I decided in literally February that I was going to apply to a program that I kept calling myself like not the typical candidate um, because I think mostly because I just never thought about it and my I took the GRE within like a month um, and was studying for that and I wanted to 
like originally apply to programs without the GRE. And so having this belief about myself that I'm not the typical candidate and I feel like there are plenty of people out there that are in the same boat and maybe they don't, maybe they have that same belief or they're like, I'm just a different type of candidate. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the belief of like, I'm not the typical candidate does that have a negative connotation to it yeah. for you. Yeah. 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 And so part of relational agility is an ability to pivot in the moment and say what you just said at the very end, like, I'm not a typical candidate, but what if that isn't actually getting in my way? What if that's not a barrier? What if that's what makes me really unique and great? Mm -hmm. What if that's the reason that I'm actually going to get accepted to this grad program, right? right? So kind of being at choice with the opinion and perspective you want to hold. Congrats, by the way. That's a big deal. Thanks. I know. We're sad. She's leaving me. (laughs) Alex did write the recommendation, though, so she could have said no. I know. No. No, not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you give us an example of more of a, a positive uh, mind? Uh, is it? Yeah. So a more positive mindset, a more positive belief, because I feel like both of those were not super happy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, so for my own work, I would say the inverse. So for me, a big one, and it shows up on occasion that I still work with is this like, I'm not enough, right? I don't mm-hmm. deserve to be here. And my last job in corporate America before I started my own company, um, I was working in executive development, which by role requires you to sit in a bunch of meetings with a bunch of really senior company leaders. And that was super intimidating. Um, and so the concept of imposter syndrome kept showing up a lot. And after doing some of this thought work and deciding like, I don't, I do not want to choose that perspective or that belief anymore. The belief that I just started telling myself and and building some habits around is I am enough and I have earned the seat at this table. So, so not like, it's great that I'm here or, you know, I got lucky and I'm grateful for this job. Like the belief was very intentionally, no, there's nothing, there was no luck about it, right? Like I earned the opportunity to sit at this table. And so I did a couple of things that may seem kind of corny, but I wanted to create in my brain some neural pathways around like I am enough and I earn the opportunity to be here. So anytime, and I stole this from, I believe this is a Brendan Burchard, um, technique. He talks a lot on his podcast about walking. Anytime he walks through a door, he says to himself, whatever sort of mental statement or trigger he's wanting to turn into habit. So for me, for an entire week, I tried to do an exercise of anytime I walked through the doorway, I would just stop for a second and say to myself, I'm enough. I'm enough. Do you know how many doorways you walk through on a daily basis? Like, It's a lot. I don't remember anything else I said to myself for the span of that week because Mm -hmm. you're just constantly saying that over again. Um, I changed the desktop background on my laptop to be a graphic that says I'm enough so that I was staring at it all day. Mm -hmm. My password, it's it's not anymore, so I'm not giving it (laughs) security, but on my computer, right, was you're enough. So just those opportunities to be a choice and sort of decide this is the perspective that I want to hold. And then trying to create some habits around that. So that becomes the default sort of thinking mode that you have instead of the other. Yeah. That's a good, I like that. That's just easy to do, but it just takes a second to get in the habit of it because Mm -hmm. I'll try, 
this just sometimes I wanted to change the way that I wrote my A's. Like, you know how oh, you, I've like, changed my handwriting so many do times. Do it, and so, so then true. it's I don't know, it's like that. <laughs> and then there's the one that kind of has the curve on the top. Sometimes yeah. I would do that. And so it just like takes a second to like get in the habit of doing that. And it kind of reminded me of that where like I would yeah. walk back through the door if I forgot to say it probably and be like, okay, now I'm gonna like do it again. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's the thing about behavior change. Sometimes it gets turned into like this huge big thing, right? Mm -hmm. And we start thinking, my gosh, I have to undo all these childhood experiences. And like, it's going to be so much work. And the truth is, there's a concept in coaching called like, act yourself into believing. And sometimes that's what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. how do I just create this tiny, mini, easy to do trigger, right? And place it strategically through my day enough times that all of a sudden I'm like, my God. By Friday, I kind of, I'm digging this, you know, yeah. it really feels like truth for me. Have you changed your motto or your, the sentence you've been telling yourself a couple times or many times? No, it's still the same. Wow. It's, still, it's still the same because yeah. that for me is a, is my biggest trigger, right? Like okay. when, when things get nerve, when I get nervous, when I'm like on the cusp of doing something really cool or great, but like, am I worthy? Am I enough? an imposter that starts to show up for me and so it's something that I actively have to manage and probably well for the better part of my life I'd love to tell you I'm past it but it's active work yeah yeah so how do you know if you're falling in into the trap of telling yourself a story yeah so there's a little bit of bad news here which is sometimes (laughs) sometimes you don't know because what happens with stories is we get so good, they become the seamless part of how we interact during the day, right? They're sort of how we navigate mm-hmm. our day-to-day experience. Um, so if you don't, my best advice is literally to, to set a timer on your cell phone um, for once an hour where when the timer goes off, it's a trigger to ask yourself, am I in truth or am I in story? So whatever circumstance it is, maybe you're interacting with somebody, maybe you're in a meeting, maybe you're working on a project by yourself at your desk or going to class, whatever. Um, But just checking in with yourself in that moment. And then the follow-up question I often ask is, okay, and then since I last checked in, have I been most in truth or most in story? Um, Once you bring some mindfulness to it, you'll start to identify what your common threads are, right? And are there circumstances or different people that you interact with where all of a sudden you find yourself like just knee deep in some crazy story that may or may not be accurate. Mm -hmm. We were just um, talking to someone the other day that said that your brain wants to fill in the gaps. They want to know kind of the ending of the story. And I did kind of get in the mindset of like, Am I just telling myself? I mean, I know I'm just telling myself this. I don't know how to stop it. But I guess it's just the fact, the act of knowing. It, so that's the first step. There's more steps to it, right? So the first step is, hey, shoot, I'm in story. Mm-hmm. The second is to say, what is actually the story that I'm telling myself in this moment? And you have to ask that with like curiosity and not judgment. And here's why that's important, right? Because almost every story that we had at some point in our life, it served us. Mm -hmm. It served a purpose. And for some of us, some of those stories worked for like that one millisecond, the very first time it came up. For other stories, they've served us for 20, 30, 40 years. And they work until they don't. So I think in what you're saying, Alex, it's about the mindfulness of like, what's the story I'm telling? Then intentionally saying, is the story actually serving me? Yeah. If not, realizing that you're at choice, even when you don't feel like it, 
because it's true as human yeah. beings, right? We're always 100% of the time we're at choice. Yeah. Um, even if not in the immediate situation, we're at choice in terms of how we react and respond to it. So really making a choice about what's the perspective that I want to hold? What's the story that I want to hold instead in this moment? Mm-hmm. And then the final tip, which I think totally like transforms and brings it home is start looking for proof. And the best example, actually I have a couple, but the story I always use to make this point is it's like when you get a new car, you know? So I remember when I first got a white Honda Accord and I, when I bought it, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this great new car. I'm super pumped about it. There aren't a lot of white Honda Accords. And I remember driving out of the dealership and being like, all I see on the road are white (laughs) Honda Accords. Like where did all these Accords come from, right? Because all of a sudden, once our mind brings attention to something, mm-hmm. it's kind of all that we can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once you intentionally make that choice about, here's the story that I want to hold in the moment, let's go back to the example of, once I make that choice of the story to be, I'm enough, then suddenly I start to notice that I totally killed that presentation. Yeah. Or, you know, that, was, that I'm a great and awesome friend and that my yeah. friends really appreciate me being just who I am. Or my kiddo comes up as she, you know, gets home from daycare and runs over like, mommy, I love you. I'm so excited to see you. All of a sudden, the proof points of I am enough start to manifest in your life. Yeah. That's funny that you bring up that car example because I was just talking to some of my friends last week and we talked about the car thing and I can't remember what was the other thing that someone said that they never saw until they started thinking about it and then they saw them everywhere. But I had a... PT Cruiser, it that was my first car, which is a very noticeable car. Like you know what that looks like, and I don't know. I never saw one until I owned one, and then they were all over the place. <laughs> it's it's true, and the crazy thing is, like the traffic pattern didn't change, right? I mean, yeah. there wasn't a surge on PT Cruisers. It's just that mindfulness and awareness of now there's something that I'm paying attention to, and now I can't not see it because mm-hmm. it's yeah. everywhere. When you were talking about the stories and the story that you started telling yourself one that I've noticed that I I do and I think I I knew this before and it's a silly thing but I definitely get it's almost like my mind can't stop when I start in this story so let's say my husband will go to the store just going to the store like a normal thing but after maybe a couple hours when I think he should be back my mind starts like oh my gosh he's never coming back I'm like he could probably got an accident he's really bad at answering his phones and he just like he just always has it on silent. I don't understand that. So I'm calling and calling. He's not answering. And I'm like, oh my goodness, no one is going to want to marry someone with four kids. Like, <laughs> this is just not good for me. What am I going to do with my life? <laughs> like, I'm not joking. He goes that far where I'm like, okay, he's done. How am I moving on? And then like, he locks the door <laughs> a minute later. Oh, oh, definitely. And he's, I was like, I called you. And I look, he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, my phone was on silent. I'm like, okay. I mean, Your I know that's not reality. His? No, his. Oh, his okay. is always okay. on silent. No. Okay. Uh, and I know that's not reality, but I sometimes, I can't even, like, I just start worrying and worry, worry, worry. Do you have a sense of what the stories are? Because it seems like there's a couple <laughs> that then just starts, they build on each other. Oh, they definitely do. I can't think of what some other stories I guess I have, but that's that's more of a, you know, not super serious one that I like to go into on a regular basis probably. And so and so part of it is like stopping in that moment. If you find yourself being like he's been gone about 30 minutes longer, and by the way, I'm not judging you because if, if my husband was dialed into this, he'd be like, um, hi Aaron, like that's exactly <laughs> what my wife does. 
so I totally get this. But stopping sort of in the moment to really ask yourself, like, what's the data? What are the data points and what are the facts in this situation, mm-hmm. right? And did I send him off with this, like, crazy grocery list, yeah. including three or four unique foods that he never buys, and he's probably lost in the aisles of Wegmans or Kroger yeah. or whatever grocery store's local, right? Um, and then being able to kind of come back and say, okay, so the story that I want to hold instead is that he's late because he had a long grocery list and he swung by the flower section to bring me some flowers home because I have four kids and I'm a badass mom. And like, right? So stopping yourself in that moment and without judgment, just being like, wow, I'm starting to feel myself spin, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm starting to tell a little bit of a story here and it's yeah. probably starting to lead to another story. Mm-hmm. So let me just be a choice in this moment and decide, do I want to believe that or do yeah. I want to believe something else? Yeah. I've yet to like sign up for a dating app on the moment or anything like that, but oh <laughs> so I can't stop myself there, but that was just a weird example, I guess. <laughs> it's a great example. It's a great example. And it's a great example of how much our mind takes over and how quickly our mm-hmm. mind takes over. And then our body is right on the heels to respond with panic or worry or anxiety or any yeah. of that. Right. So the power, um, of mental management and really mm-hmm. just being able to kind of stop in the second, oops, stop in the moment um, and be like, no, I don't want to make that choice. It's unnecessary. And by the way, I can look at the last 15 times that he went to the grocery store and he came home just fine. Yeah. Right? I do remember another story I've told myself, not serious at all. So I just get really creeped up being at home alone. I just don't like it. And Sorry, at night. I should have specified at night. I can be at home alone. And so sometimes my husband will go on business trips. So I was sitting in our living room, and I heard a huge crash in the garage. And I was like, here it goes. Someone's breaking in like that. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I got so freaked out. I, like, closed all the windows, locked all the doors. I wouldn't even go in the garage to see what it was. Ended up a bike had fallen off the wall. But I was like deathly scared that like someone was breaking into the house and that's I feel like that's when I tell a lot of my stories is when I'm scared I guess yeah and that's that's really common because like you said earlier the person you were talking to recently like your brain's trying to fill in the gaps Mm -hmm. so that's a perfect example right there's a huge gap I'm uh, upstairs with my kids maybe I hear this huge loud crash I don't have Aaron Fisher and I used to talk all the time about the power of an explanation you don't have one in that moment right? You don't. And so all of a sudden your brain's like, don't worry, sister, I got you. I'm going to conjure up all the things and all the reasons why. And the way our brain works is we naturally go to, well, here's the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. The worst case scenario is somebody is in fact on their way to come get you. Right. And so again, like how do I sort of take myself out of that fight or flight bio reaction and stop for a second and say, okay, let me introduce logic back into this conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I telling myself and what might I rather yeah. be telling myself? Yeah. 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 Similarly, I, <coughs> when I'm like getting ready, when I'm like laying in bed, like about to fall asleep or something, sometimes there will just be like a slight noise that is just not normal, like in my apartment. Like I live in a, a one bedroom apartment, like I can hear like everything or whatever. And so sometimes I will like get out of bed to be like, is there someone in my apartment? You'll Which, get out like, of the bed? Oh, no. Every no. once in a while, but <laughs> I get it. And so I have a white noise machine that I sleep with, too, kind of to mask those sounds because <laughs> so obviously there's not someone in my apartment, but it's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like yeah. out, of the, out of the ordinary. Yeah.
Well, and it's kind of like, it's a little bit of uncovering your beliefs about how things work in the world, mm-hmm. right? So one of those really fundamental beliefs is like, if I hear a loud noise late at night, something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, so true. And think of that. Hear the bump in the night. Yeah. 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 So getting away from Sarah and I being scared at night, can you share an example of a relational, can you share an example of um, relational agility from your own life? Sure. Yeah. Um, We talked a little bit about the I am enough one. I'll tell you one that relates to my daughter, Maddie is three years old now, but when she was first born, uh, I was like in the trenches of new momhood. She's my only one. So I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh, Alex, I could have really used your perspective at the time, Um, but no, (laughs) no clue what I was doing. And I, I remember the stories that I was feeling related to my ability to be a good mom to her. So I, you know, when you're on maternity leave, you're exhausted and you are up a lot at night feeding your kid. And I would find myself cruising social media and Instagram, which by the way, is like not the place to be when you're completely exhausted and right. Not feeling the very best about yourself. Um, and so all these stories started happening in my mind of like, oh gosh, all these women that I'm seeing on social media are back to their pre-pregnancy weight three months after having their baby and their houses look clean and they've got meals on the table. And I started this whole story of like, I'm a mess and I can't keep up. I'm a mess and I can't keep up. Right. I'm in the same pajamas that I've been in for three weeks. My kid is fussy. Like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. My only accomplishment is that she's still with us. Like I'm (laughs) alive. Um, So my self stories were really kind of bringing me down the stories and beliefs I had about other people, all the social media impacts, um, just were underscoring this, like I'm a mess and I can't keep up. Right. All the other women are doing it with perfect hair and three inch heels. And like, I'm, that's not me. I'm not there. And then the world story that started translating for me is like, if I'm a mess and I can't keep up, I'm never going to be a good mom. And I distinctly remember a day where I was feeling exhausted and probably hormonal and super tired. And I just decided like, I don't, I do not want to feel this way anymore. And so I remembered some advice that my younger sister gave me right before I had Maddie. And she said, from the minute that Maddie shows up in this world, you will be the very best mom to Maddie in all the world, right? Like nobody will know how to parent Maddie better than you. And I made a choice in that moment that that was going to be my new belief. And all of a sudden, all of the fear or competition or whatever nonsense, all the stories I was telling myself about how I couldn't keep up didn't matter because suddenly there was nobody to compete with anymore. Mm-hmm. It was only about being a mom to my daughter. Yeah. Well, nobody else is even in that race, right? Um, and so I think in those moments of relational agility, it took me some time. I, look, I wasn't able in the moment to be like, oops, stop, new behavior, you know, problem solved, move on to the next one. It took me a lot of time of really just letting myself be with the stories that I was telling that were unhelpful and hurtful and kind of sad. And then finally getting to the place where I decided like, that's not, that's not serving me anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the past, it used to drive me to be better and to work really hard and to try to bring my best game. And at this phase of my life, it just wasn't working. Um, so it's a journey, but for me, it was a, it was a big, it was a big pivot. I can think of a million different stories that I have started telling myself just the minute you become a parent. It's like, 
Oh, so my son is in kindergarten and you don't have him in four sports. How's he ever going to succeed in high school? How's he ever going to get on the team? Oh, he's like struggling in reading a little bit. Well, you know, he's not going to be able to read. Like he's never going to be able to read. Like, so it, it, the list goes on and on and on. And those are hard, hard stories to stop. That is a, I think I I think I do my best. I think I it, it is a a constant mindset that you have to be in of okay, they have on really cute outfits. My girls <laughs> want to wear shark pants and a floral shirt. Yes. So, we're going yes. <laughs> So, we're going to go with that. How are like I have to be like how is she getting him in these outfits? Like is she bribing, you know, so I have to go down some of these like I have to play the story out, which I know I have to play almost a not my story, but possibly their story out in my head as well to be to get myself back from getting upset that, you know, they don't have the outfits. They're not in this club. They're not in this school. They're, you know, I just have to, it's never, ever ending with kids. Well, and, and what if a possible story was I'm the very best mom because I let yeah. my daughter bring her ultimate creativity and picking out her shark pants and whatever sort of shirt she has, right? Like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but true, you know, so really in that moment, like what if the story was the thing that I am kind of trying to undo Mm -hmm. or cover up or make different is actually the key to my brilliance and my greatness or my kids' brilliance and greatness. I love that. I'll post a picture of Margo with her shark pants on. Yes! <laughs> Are you sure it's Margo that wears the shark pants? She's all into the pink. My sister got her these shark pants, <laughs> and now she's obsessed with them because Auntie got them for her, and she'll wear them. She just, she loves them now. Well, and Alex, let me say one other thing about that. Imagine, so, if if we were following each other on social media, you, paint, you post a picture of your daughter in shark pants, then my daughter who wants to wear equally like crazy <laughs> things in her closet, right? It gives, it gives permission. And yeah. so sometimes that's the thing about story management and making a different, sometimes counterintuitive choice mm-hmm. is it gives permission to other people to make a similar choice, right? Yeah. Like, imagine where we could be as women if there was the courage to be able to stand up and be like, shark pants on Tuesday, let's do it, <laughs> right? Like, I just think, I think it takes some courage for somebody to tell a different story, to tell themselves and to truly believe a different story than the world would have us mm-hmm. believe otherwise. What are some tips to help yourself build that relationship, relational agility? Yeah. So my very best tip, and this is true for relational agility, but I think in life in general is try to be curious, not certain all the time. Hmm. So when you find yourself in a situation, um, my experience has been that most of the time, if we go in with certainty, that's only going to make us incremental progress. If we go in with curiosity, it's yours for the taking. Um, and that plays out. I have experienced that certainly in my marriage, right? My relationship with my husband, he's very grateful in those moments where I can channel more curiosity than certainty, like about why he didn't load the dishwasher or finish the laundry or do all the things, um, at work, same thing, right? When we start getting really frustrated in a situation and starting to tell those stories, which happens subconsciously and almost instantaneously, if you can stop in that moment and ask yourself, am I in story or am I in truth? And if you can identify, hey, I'm in story, and then act with some curiosity instead, 
the outcome is going to be infinitely better. Doesn't mean necessarily that your story's wrong, but at least you're like giving grace and some space for somebody else to say, yeah, that's what's happening here. Or no, it's not. And let me offer you a totally different perspective. Um, So that's my very best tip. My second tip is, is really creating some like cadence in your schedule to bring mindfulness to your stories. And so we've talked about that to different degrees, but it's not rocket science. Like a lot of human behavior change isn't, right? It's yeah. easy stuff. We just don't do it. We, d- we literally just don't do it. And I think that's in part why people like coaching so much because it creates some accountability that yeah. oh, shoot, a week or two later, I have to go tell somebody I didn't do that. And then they're going to be like, well, why? What's that all about? <laughs> what story do you have, right? Yes. Um, but if you can create that accountability for yourself or tell somebody else, hey, I think I'm a little bit of a victim to my stories. And I'm trying to... I'm trying to manage those differently. Mm-hmm. You know, can you help hold me accountable? So when we're interacting, you know, if you find, if you think that I'm in story, like maybe just give me a code word or a nudge or something. Yeah. Know? Right. But creating those sort of habit triggers, I think are easy, but they make yeah. a huge difference. It'll really be profound. Yeah. Those are some great tips. I think that's actually just the perfect place to end. Cause I was going to ask you what your biggest advice, but I think those tips are it. Like, yeah. I liked your um, your comment on saying I am enough. I think that's something that someone can use right now, today, in their car, listening. I just think that's awesome. It's something I'm going to do. Yeah, or like every time you get in or out of your car, you say that. Maybe not the door, but if you're listening to this right now, you can say hey, it to yourself. That's a door. And then the door. Perfect. I wouldn't have even thought of that. Like if I decided to do the door thing instead, but. Well, thank you so much for being on, Erin. Um, we know that you have a coaching practice. So did you want to tell our listeners about that and how they might be able to take advantage of your services? Yeah, you bet. So coaching is my favorite thing to do in all the land. So if you're interested in even just understanding what coaching is, I'd love to have a conversation and tell you a little bit more. Um, so my website has a bunch of information about coaching, which is just Korea and Associates, all one word. Um, so that's C-O-R-R-E-A-A-N-D and then associates.com. Um, or you're welcome to shoot me an email and we'll set up some time and chit chat. So that's just Aaron at koreanassociates.com. And we will have that all linked on our show notes page too, if you are driving or something or don't have pen and paper. So just head over to sigmacapa.org slash podcast and you'll ha- we'll have the information there as well. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. Love Thank the you. conversation. A lot of Thank takeaways. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me.